In just a couple of short decades, the world has changed to the extent that we can't imagine a life without information technology. But what happens when a civilization goes too far, where we're over-dependent on technology or even addicted to technology? We're going to be talking with Sheila Gillette and the Theo Group today about what's happened with other planetary civilizations and how technology can both be our best friend and our worst enemy into the future. Hi, Sheila. Welcome back. Hi, Regina. It's so good to be with you again. It's always good to be with you. I just, I love you. I love your energy and I love Theo. So um, this is a conversation I've been wanting to have with you for a while because, you know, we all talk on the ground about, we we bitch and moan about technology and how, you know, our, you can't get your kids' attention and all that because they're, they're addicted to technology. These are kind of common uh, themes, but there are implications for these themes. So first off, um, I'm sure you've had conversations with Theo before about, uh, technology and its interface with humanity. Maybe just give us a little overview from where you are right now uh, with your understanding what Theo's had to say, and then in a little bit we'll go to Theo. Theo, you know, started talking about technology when I first started working with them several decades ago, and I had no reference point because oh, we that was the seventies. That yeah, we and didn't so have the internet. No, okay. we didn't have internet. We didn't have home computers. And it was just like, oh, really? Okay, well, I had enough experience with them to trust whatever they said, but I had no external evidence. But now here we are. You know, we're a global species connecting throughout the world with the internet, and everybody has access. They're carrying it in their pocket. And so this has just happened in the last relatively few years. And... But Theo was a, a big proponent on the connectivity that we would have with each other. So they've been very positive in that way. So I'll be interested as you speak with them about the present now, because, um, you know, they haven't spoken much about it now, unless somebody's asked, and mm -hmm. I don't know that they have. But I've I've just been and you know to me it's a miracle that we can do this that you and I are sitting here having this this time together. Clearly, one of the upsides. <laughs> yeah, and so I always look at the upside. Except, as you know, I children are constantly on their technology, and it has its positives and negatives in that way too. But I notice just going to a restaurant where people aren't talking to each other. They're sitting across the table and, you know, they're on their phones and they're looking at technology. I remember saying one time I was visiting um, my my daughter and I, we were sitting in the room and, and my grandkids were there and they all had phones and they were texting. And I and I said to him, "Well, I hope you're not talking to each other." Because Which they we're said in the room. <laughs> I know, and that's pretty common, you know. Sit at kids. I know, and so I think there there needs to be a, an equilibrium, a balance that will come, and I think it will. But we'll 
we'll check into it and see. Yeah, let's check into it and see what they have to say, because uh, certainly one of my concerns, and my audience knows this, is that there's an addictive quality to it. And uh, this has um, this does have repercussions for brain function. And that's why I wanted to talk to the Theo group on that level and also to go historically out to the cosmos and what's happened in other planetary advanced systems where they've had this kind of technology before. What happened to their cultures? Did they go through an arc like ours? Are we unique? And then, you know, we'll go to uh, obviously we can see the beauty in being connected. That is absolutely true. But I want to tackle the other side of it, too. That's my idea here. Okay, well, let's do it. Okay, so shall we go to Theo then? Sure. Here we okay. go. It is the beginning, is it not? Yes, it is. Thank you, Theo, for joining us on this topic. I'm trying we to get appreciative a... of the opportunity to serve. You Thank may you. ask. Yes, I'm trying to get a, an, a higher view, an overview of the introduction of technology to Earth beyond the obvious that uh, we're all excited about, which is the interconnectedness and rapid flow of information and knowledge. But I want to get into some of the deeper kind of cosmic looks at it and also the effects on the wiring of the brain and how that what kind of human that creates in the future. So if I may, I would like to start with the technology itself being introduced to Earth. As you know, I have interviewed many, many different kinds of people, including from intelligence and military and so forth. And it's often been written and said that lots of our technology, information technology, was introduced by collaboration between ourselves and other off-planet cultures. First of all, how do you see that? Is there truth in that? And can you explain a bit, usually through the military industrial complex? So many things have been brought forward to society as it is. And we're speaking of the global society through, through the military complex, as you said, for they do much research and have the resources to do so. And the desire to be advancing just as they are desirous to go to other planets and into space. So all of these things are coming to fruition with that in mind. And how the military complex and the different countries can keep track of each other. So this is how this technology has come to fruition. But in all advancements, there has been guidance given for these developments. As many of those whom you've spoken to that are creative and bring forth new innovation, they are given that on some level of their senses, their awarenesses. Some call it downloading, yes? So this information has been brought forward for the advancement of the human species, but for the Earth itself and the shift of consciousness that is occurring on this planet as it is for the human species. That's never happened before. But with all things that are new and in 
innovative. There is, as you spoke of, an arc, if you would. First, introduce, then the usage, and then the compulsiveness with it. As in all things, humans are addictive beings. And so with anything new that does trigger that addictive portion of the mind, which is endorphins, and what they receive by their constant interaction in however form they are doing it, whether they are communicating with each other or playing or researching, whatever it is that one becomes involved in that becomes compulsive. And this is just a factor of being human is that we're driven towards the things that make us feel good, as you say, that create these endorphins and these various chemicals in the body, uh, dopamine as well. And certainly it would seem that technology uh, gives us all of that for sure. So part of it is our own nature. Going back to what I was talking about a moment ago with direct collaborations with beings from other places where we gain something from each other, is there was there ever any kind of larger thought or agenda coming from outside of Earth people, like interdimensionals or ETs, about how this would be taken up by humanity? Or was it just given in collaboration for us giving them whatever sharing with each other, and we'll see how the whole experiment goes? It is the latter. It is not, it was not malevolent in the sense of control or anything that one might say in a conspiratorial way, but it was to share information. The extraterrestrials, as you speak of them, are not here to harm. If they can observe you, know their intelligence has been far beyond the human intelligence up until now. But that's the evolution of consciousness that is occurring. So it's not something to be feared, but it's something to be aware. Okay, let let me let's expand on that a bit. You said up until now that their level of intelligence has been beyond hu- the human race, the ones that have been associating with us up until now. Let's talk about that up until now part and what has happened with us beyond just the boom of the flow of information that has brought up this level of intelligence. So there has been, as there there is in all species, a metamorphosis, a growing, a changing in the, the dynamic of the physicality, the form in which you enter as a soul to have the human experience. So there has been this evolution of cells, of experience and vibration, if you would, that the body can receive and acclimate you to a higher conscious state, which would involve a greater activity of the brain. Interesting. Okay, well, that that's good to know. Um, I think everybody's happy to hear that. So what one of the things that is, is of obvious concern is and we'll get to that in a bit about a kind of splitting of consciousness where you have people that want to stay kind of in an organic 
connection with the earth and each other. And then those who really are happier to have more distance and just be more remotely connected through technology. But before we go there, let's talk about the kids who now have grown a whole generation has grown up with this technology from the time they can touch the keys and gaming, for example, which goes at very, very rapid speeds, another offering from initially the military industrial complex. So what is happening to the brains of the this generation in terms of the speed it works at and the potential for becoming very bored in the organic time space reality of, of the third dimensional aspect of earth life. So that's the advancement often we speak about in the sense of a higher frequency an ability to disseminate information very rapidly. And so this is the expanded consciousness or awareness that is inclusive, not only of intelligence, but also it is the body, mind, spirit. It's spiritual aspects to that as well, when one can gain a greater receptivity in the brain functionality. And so we speak of the heart connection, the seat of the soul, and first impressions from the heart to the brain. For the brain is only that which is to find solution to problems. The soul is the the true brain, if you would, that gives the body or the brain life itself. So the brain is like the functionality of your computer. The stimulus comes from the soul. And the souls now are evolving so rapidly to a higher vibrational frequency that a greater intelligence can be experienced. Okay. Thank you. Then what about the notion of the quality of what one is exposed to? Uh, Because as we have these shows like this and many, many other people offering useful and beneficial information, you have an equal number that are going on the devolving path, you might say, in a world of entertainment. Quite Quite a bit of that happening right now, for example, in Hollywood. And so... If you're moving that fast, if we're that open, taking that much in, what happens if the choice of product is not in a positive spectrum? Do you have a more rapid devolution? What happens? So it it does beg the question of one's critical thinking, what they choose to participate with. And asking the questions of truth. Each and every human being has a truth barometer in them. And so there are those who wish to be told what to do, as you know. And there's no critical thinking taking part. It's all external. There's no internal process in that questioning, but that's what's evolving. A greater insight that you know more than you think you do, and that you have the ability to know more, to open the aperture of your awareness, your perceptivity, and that's the time you're living in. 
So yes, there are these things. There have been all all these things that could be destructive in human experience, whatever level of consciousness has been. But now with this rapid growth, there is this greater necessity for questioning. Truth. Critical thinking. Critical thinking. And most are not being taught that. Definitely. So, so the educational systems must change as well. And it seems to me they have to change on many levels, not just to teach critical thinking so that people can find their way back to some kind of sense of generally accepted or agreed upon objective truth, but also to accommodate the short attention spans that have been created as people, especially young people, are learning and experiencing faster and faster and faster how to keep someone engaged. If you could dip into the future for a moment of humanity and let us give us an idea of what a future classroom is like, the future of education. So maybe some of us can plant a seed for a model to work toward. That would be fabulous. So what needs to be done is to take into account the student. For as there is an awareness that each and every one of you is unique. And the model has been a particular model that everybody is the same. And that's not true. There, there are differences in the way individuals process information. Some are auditory learners, some are visual learners, some accomplish both, but most have a particular distinct way of learning. So it must be addressed, those things. If a student is a better auditory learner than visual learner, then they must be allowed, if you would, to have lessons auditorily spoken. And now it's more visual than auditory. It's read the book, look at the picture. And if the mind does not process completely in that way, the education is stunted, yes? Yes. However, those that have these abilities will find their education because they're, they're bright. But the system itself takes judgment about those and thinks they're not bright. It's just a different way of receiving information. And what will happen, and you're already beginning to see this in technology, is addressing that, keeping the visual receivers active, but also with auditory, music, words. So both are being used. That's why there's such great interest in the technological way of doing things. And there are those that have taken advantage of it. 
Okay, a couple things. Yes, I mean, that even began with uh, children's programming on television where you had bright colors, moving things, stories that went along with it. And um, when you say those that are taking advantage of it, what do you mean? And then I want to go back to the last hundred years before we go forward a hundred years. So there are those you've even spoken of, um, the film industry or the media industry. There is awareness of this to attract beings to whatever product they are trying to bring forth or to sell, yes? Or to get the attention up. There are these platforms of social media that are very well aware of how that works to bring forth greater participation regardless of ethics we are all aware of that <laughs> yes. okay and that's what we're speaking about it's yes in, it's an excellent platform it's excellent for education but there's been a great amount of misuse yes and that i think the audience does understand well so let me go back a, a moment uh, from a moment ago when you were talking about this advancement because we have audio visual in um the opportunity for people to learn now and that is when the when people became educated in mass when it was required to go to school which happened more for, first in the western world and later in the east I have wondered about that exact thing. What happens when you take someone who has learned through experience and storytelling and family and and so forth, and then you reduce it to digits on a page, literal digital information, black on white pages, for example, that had to have been on one level quite a limitation to the system for at least a good portion of the population in terms of learning, while maybe a boom for the other part. Can you talk about what happened when we were all forced to read black digits on white pages and that was it, and we've been judged by that, our ability to do that since then? That's what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Great judgment. And so those they could not process well in that way did not mean they couldn't have intelligence. It's just a different processor, you might say, in the, in the mind and the, how the brain works and how information is disseminated. And so it had been a great disservice and many were judged and labeled of not intelligent when they were. And still are, in many cases, there are those evaluations and judgments that are simply untrue. That, that those who are not that way of dissemination of digits on a piece of paper to look at, there are auditory learners. Then they were many left behind. But because the human and the soul is so desirous of expansion, they find their way, and many have. Many have dropped out of school to learn in the ways of nature and natural experience and sought that out and have had great success. They've adapted and acknowledged how they learned 
and were curious enough to expand and to succeed. But many get diminished and believe the outside themselves judgments that they can't. And so give up. Yes. And that has to be, that to me was what we have to transform away from. And I remember in a reading from my own group of beings when my son was still young and they said, be careful where you place him because your son has come to learn. And he learns through osmosis. He was very dyslexic. Reading and putting digits didn't work well for him at all. But he absorbed knowledge and information from every other source with ease, even learning how to play musical instruments. He just knew how to do it at a, at a very beautiful level without being able to read music. So I experienced that with him, helping him in his life in a system that doesn't really acknowledge people who do that way. So let's look then, we know where we've been the last hundred years. Let's look at what the, the besides taking into account the individual and, and, um, acknowledging some are auditory versus visual, and some simply learn by osmosis. They're just clairsentient, so to speak. What does a classroom of the future look like? If you could tell us kind of what an average classroom would look like 50 years from now or 100 years from now, of course, depending on the decisions that we make, assuming we go on that parallel timeline for the better. So the beautiful part about the technology we're speaking about is that it can be adapted to serve all those beings yes, educationally. So that it's not one way, and that's what we're saying. Many have realized this to be true and have used such as social media and programming to address that so they could get as many users or participants as possible in the more than 8 billion beings on your planet. So there has been this knowledge or awareness that this is happening that will translate into education and be utilized in a much better productive way to assist educationally. And, and it's a global education. It's not independent from one country to the other. It would serve all. So that's important as well. But understand this, it's when the automobile was brought forward, there were drawbacks to that. When the first automobiles would drive opposite directions on a road, they often ran into each other <laughs> because the individual needed to learn how to process noticing the other vehicle, but not focusing only on that, but focusing on the road. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was <laughs> when they focused on the other car, that's where they ended up. Yeah. No, that's so true. So, so yes. Uh, yes. So if I'm hearing you correctly, we're going through the stage of evolution where technology has come to us through inspiration, through collaboration interdimensionally or where, wherever from, usually because of the monies involved and also mechanisms of society. This comes through the military as a rule of our world, the militaries of our rule, and even 
I would add even kind of secret projects. So we've got that part. We've got the we've got the technology here now. We haven't necessarily learned the proper levels of discernment in terms of the quality of what we expose ourselves to and our children to. But because of the technology being here and the changes within the physical structure, including the brain, where the technology is increasing at large our intelligence into almost a, an advanced aspect of human beings. So that's the good part. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. I've often wondered, because it seems as though there's almost a bifurcation of consciousness, where you have people that want to stay connected with nature and with each other organically. They want to gather together, whether it's to discuss things or dance and so forth. And that's kind of an organic path. And then you have those who don't wish to do that, who everything runs through technology now and don't connect to each other in this organic way. What happens there? What happens on that path? And can you tell us what, you, I mean, we can kind of imagine what the ideal is, which is to use technology responsibly, but we're not quite there yet. Not yet, because it's still new in your environment and it's evolving. However, the human species is a collaborative species and herd animals. And there's a realization and a need, if you would, to gather, to connect with each other, and the realization that you're better together than you are apart. So that's what animals do, and humans are animals. <laughs> and there is a desire to love and be loved, to be accepted, to have community, a common unity, with others of your species. And that will not end. There will come a balance of that where technology can be used in its highest way without taking away from that common unity or community of human species. But as the pendulum swings, one might say, it has gone to one side, but we'll come back to the balance. So uh, that makes sense because here you have teenagers gathering for a party, and so they all want to be around each other and giggle while they're communicating versus their cell phones. So it's yes, like, but they little, still want that that connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that hybridized point. So let me ask you this. If you expand the vision and we look out around the cosmos, um, this information has been seeded um, here so that we can bring it through, whether through techno technological interface, militarily, inspiration, individually, et cetera, or collectively. Other planets have had these technologies and must have gone through these curves. Can you give us an idea of what's happened when technology has reached a real peak in a given on a given planet for example have there been examples where it did fracture connection and went one way versus the very highest 
with the most creative species. I want to know what the highest and lowest potentials and realities have been out there in the universe with other planets who have used technology. All of them that have experience with beings, not every planet has beings on it. Mm -hmm. And those that have and have technology and advanced with it have much a similar trajectory that Earth does. And there did come a balance that has been achieved or they would not be existing. And there's billions of planets. The Earth is only one. There are billions of planets in your universe that could sustain this life. And that is being found by sciences as we speak. And the greater, broader perspective is coming, and that's what technology can give human experience, greater awareness of possibility. For an example, much as this is being brought forward for the desire to go to space. And now, and with your technology, you can see space. Yes, you can see pictures in space. And that's what's going to continue to be experienced for greater education of an awareness of possibilities of how far you can go and explore and be in your human body and continue to expand your awareness and knowledge. So now we come to the subject of how artificial intelligence interfaces with human intelligence and those who would wish to be able to blend that more for a little more control um, or those who wish to be immortal. And we have entertainment and series about this at, on television and films now about vacating the body, having the body die, but having an artificial intelligence come in and continue to motivate its movement and such. What's actually possible and what is the actual end result of that thinking going to end in on earth because we're saying there are there's already a combination of ai um using ai for different functions in our lives and even inside our bodies in rare occasions for people who can afford that um nanobots and so forth what is the future of ai and the organic human understand this ai artificial it can do many things, artificial things. Your automobile is artificial, if you would. It's a tool, yes, that you utilize. And that's what you're speaking about. However, your brain stays alive through the functionality of the soul. For an example, the body can be kept alive. It's true all its functions, but the brain cannot. And that's the difference. 
So the whole group of people who believe that you can substitute a brain artificially and keep an organic body motivated or um, barking up the wrong tree, so to speak. You're you're talking about robots. We're talking about robots. And it, now there uh, there's a lot in the media on robots and robotic life that feels like flesh, but they're and one is called even better than us because they're so highly programmable, including programmable to serve one's every need. And this is, um, in your view, has this has this happened elsewhere where you have an actual organic body with artificial intelligence? After what you just said, the brain can the the brain, our brain, our natural brain cannot operate in that way. But has that ever been bypassed in a distorted way? No. Good to but know. I understand that a robot cannot give birth. Yes. Because robots are coming. I mean, that is part of our future, too. They're already available. Oh, well, yeah, they do a lot of the assembly line drop jobs. Absolutely. So robotics is part of it, but not to not to. I think some people are afraid of having the two conflated and being controlled somehow at a distance because of some of the technology that's coming up, including uh projects such as the Neuralink where in which Elon Musk is uh, creating a chip that can be placed in the brain to allow people to recover from brain injury and spinal cord damage um, where there there's information that can bridge portions of the brain where the body's been damaged so the body can uh, function again or the brain can function again. It seems to me that we are going that direction and that's a positive use of you might say AI to an extent, but it's not really AI. Isn't it simply perfecting and repairing the brain's ability to allow the body to function? It's not repairing the brain. What it would do is give that part of the brain that's non-functioning functionality right. through yes. the, that technological, but it's far from being perfected. Yes, yes, they're just experimenting on it now. But this is the fear of a lot of people, especially in conspiracy communities, that these are going to be planted in our brain and we are going to be a remotely controlled species from that on that has no ability to think for oneself and have sovereignty of mind. We find that humorous. <laughs> Good. And yes, there will be those who could be controlled. They already are. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, this is true. So that's why we speak of critical thinking is the utmost importance in one's intelligence. It's and it's the one thing that's in shortest supply at this point in time. And it's yeah. not being encouraged by any of the systems at large. It's not being it's not being encouraged by the educational system, certainly not through media, uh, certainly not through consumerism. It's not actually being promoted as a path to the future anywhere. Critical thinking. It's because it doesn't true. benefit anyone who wants an, a, a controllable outcome. That's true. And so beings should be more wary and afraid of not being taught how to think critically. 
So that's really the key to any potential and other planets in their trajectory on the planet Earth and the people of Earth. That really turn, it turns out to be the critical point when it comes to uh, human organic interface with technology, right? That's true. Okay. Well, I happen, I can't agree more with you on that. And that's what we're all trying to learn is critical thinking. Becoming more difficult when you have a world of uh, many, many, many uh, sources and streams of disinformation. Very difficult. But um, like you said, we are we have a truth-ometer, so to speak, in each yes. of us. That is each and every one of you. You know by a visceral response from your body when you have truth spoken to you and you have the same visceral response when you speak the truth. So pay attention to that. Your body knows. The body is the knower. Yes. Because it has the sensory perceptivity to give you information. Yes. So when we're talking critical thinking, we're talking kids, we're talking the change of the human species and the way our intelligence operates. Critical thinking is the part that would say for a parent, for example, yes, you can enjoy this technology for an hour or two a day for your pleasure, but then the rest of the time we're going to be doing other things that don't include technology to stay connected to this planet and the subtle sources of energy, health, and information coming from Earth herself. That would be perhaps the best view of it? It would, but there are many parents that use technology as a babysitter. Yes, many. So that they're not bothered. Yes, this is us. So would take a parent to make the decision to be the parent that is active and interactive with the child. Yes. And uh, people are exhausted, distracted, and many don't want that responsibility anymore, but still bring people into the world. And that is the other half of the problem, no doubt about it. So it is true. And the educational system is in a structure to make the adults comfortable, not the children. Yes. Yes, we're in absolute agreement on that. Educational overhaul is something that's required yesterday. Um, but again, that requires people, the parents, to have to really show up and be part of that creative process to recreate the educational system and demand more. And when their children yes. get home, to be able to be more interactive with them and give guidance and plan for activities outside of technology. So in the end, you say universally, when other planets of these billions of planets, many, many uh, technologically advanced planets have been through this. And the fact that they still exist means they found some homeostasis with it, or they wouldn't exist any longer, or they would no longer have populations. There wouldn't even be procreation, right? Correct. And understand this. It's all a part of the process of expanded consciousness that is now. And all of you have chosen, have chosen to be in your bodies at this exquisite, magnificent time to be alive. Absolutely. 
One final question on this. Um, I meant to ask you a bit ago, and that is virtual reality is now coming into play for real. Uh, within another 10 years or so, it's going to be very common. You do. We're talking about procreation. When you have virtual reality where men and boys, women too, but uh, have the ability to have a, a, a sex life with a beautiful, perfect individual like none exists on this planet, um, certainly there seems to be a diminishment, uh, the potential for diminishment of organic contact once you can have your uh, perfectly preferred situation, socially, sexually, adventure-wise, and so forth. How does virtual reality come into this now? Because I see that as something that could be could be disruptive to the organic process. It could be, but it won't. Excellent. Because there, there may be that physical interaction, mm -hmm. but there's no consciousness no. they cannot bring consciousness into that virtual reality if you would and ultimately the human is always unconsciously subconsciously even consciously seeking the experience of their own and the consciousness of others yes yeah so that'll so we'll have fun with virtual reality for a while, but people are still going to want to hook up. You're saying, of course. <laughs> and what we would say to individuals to remain curious, yeah, very good. Um, on this subject um, of the development of the human species with the now overlay of technology and our advancing consciousness, awareness, and even intelligence. Is there any final comment you have on this beyond what we've already spoken of? Hold no fear. Understand this, words are things, thoughts are things, and you are creators. So be judicious in your thoughts and what you take in and what you give out. For those are creative energies. So in this time, know your core values, speak the truth. What would love do is always the correct question when you're deciding how to be in your life, in your world. You are complete with your asking. I am. And thank you, Theo, so much for answering these questions for us today. And thank you for that summary at the end. It's beautiful. Go well. God's love on to you. Good day. Good day. Hi, Bertina. Hi, Sheila. <laughs> Welcome back. And thank, thank you. you. Thank you for letting Theo come through you and talk to us about this, because I found some very interesting information in it, again, um, that because we're in the pendulum aspect that has swung too far with people becoming over-reliant and disinformation 
running about and people trying to sell us this and that idea or product. Um, I'm on the end of like being very uh, uh, concerned about the potential. But as Theo was saying, that's just the outer edge of the pendulum and that it will swing back because our intelligence itself, as a result of this technology and the interface with it, is rising. Yeah, yeah, they, they've spoken of that. And we can see it in, you know, if we just observe what's happening with people, not in the negatives, but in the new things that are coming out and the new mm -hmm. information coming out. And uh, I know all the chaos that's going on in the world and all the this stuff that's going on. Theo says there will out of this chaos will come order and we'll be in a higher state still with love. And I like that they're always uh, going back to the the what would love do? They've been giving I do too. Yeah, yeah, I do too. That's perfect because you, know. you can feel it. If you ask yeah. a question. And it doesn't really matter what the subject is. What would love do? Every one of us feels what that means. And there's a certain amount of integrity, a high degree of integrity and truth that comes with that feeling or that word. So, yes, I, I love that they always come back to love as well. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, if you just observe, um, when someone's being a little... Um, grumpy, let's say, and you might react to that and, and want to stay away from her. They just need more love. And we've seen it over and over again when you love on somebody and and not judge them, it transforms them. It really does. Absolutely. And, and I, I love to participate with that. <laughs> well, so if you're grumpy, Sheila's open. <laughs> <laughs> She'll love you up. Sheila, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you had a busy, busy day today, and I really appreciate you taking the time and bringing th Theo through for us to bring us some really gentle, thought-provoking information about what our future will look like, what classrooms look like. And these are things that we absolutely have to take on. Total reformation of the way we parent our kids, reformation of the way our kids are educated, reformation of ourselves as families and the way in which we choose to connect with one another, and also have respect for the fact that many, many people have gotten their awareness expanded mostly through technology. I mean, we have our program here and many others have these kinds of programs. So that's the beauty of it is we're all connected because of this very same technology. And, and I do have great respect for that. So I do too. And, you know, I just think it's a miracle. I, every time we get to connect like this, I just, it's magical. It's it is. Magical. It is. So here's to raising consciousness and intelligence and the love quotient. <laughs> yes. Great Love being with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Okay, everybody, if you want to connect with Sheila and also with the with the Theo Group and some of the events they have going, including some wonderful trips and also their ongoing courses, online courses where they get together, you can go to asktheo.com. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on reginameredith.com. <laughs>